Welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hello, I'm Tony Bromley and welcome to Season 2 of the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Um, In Season 2, we are speaking to presenters from the Research Education Development Scholarship Conference of 2022. The conference had a theme, How Do We Stop Losing Talent in Research Careers? And particularly today, I'm delighted to have Richard Hall with us from De Montfort University. Um, The title of Richard's presentation was Decolonising Postgraduate Research, Some Lessons from an Institutional uh, Decolonising Project. So uh, welcome and hello to you, Richard. Hi, thanks for the invite. Lovely to be here. Lovely to be talking about this as well. It's kind of, I think it's something we've been doing at DMU for a few years. So it's kind of part of the, kind of part of the institutional um, sort of energy and DNA, really. Yeah, and one of the things I was going to um, ask about was the context, because this might just be simply uh, my ignorance in terms of knowing about what's going on across the sector in, in this area, but a lot seems to be going on on the undergraduate level, but not quite so much at the postgraduate, postgraduate research level. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I think it would be. There's a lot, certainly in um, institutional access and participation plans, engagement with with things like the um, the advanced AGE, um ECU work on um, the race equality charter and getting accreditation in in that way, tend to look at the awarding gap or the, the you know the attainment gap as was. And I think there was quite a lot of work certainly in the 2010s, for either funded by Hefke or by latterly by the Office for Students that was focused upon that attainment gap. You know why why. Um, I guess the label would have been black and um, black Asian minority ethnic fame students. Why that? Why they? Why those students were less likely to get good quality honours, so first or two ones than um, than their white counterparts. And there was a kind of a he- very heavy focus on undergrad. I, I guess in part because a lot of the kind of the national culture focuses upon value for money for of degrees, the value of a degree, outcomes, student outcomes, yes. all of that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, there had been less, not to say there was no work, but less um, visible work on, and certainly less noise publicly, I guess, on postgraduate research, but also, I guess, on kind of institutional research environments and cultures. Yeah, so it's the, it's the broader picture. So in terms of your involvement, when would you, when did your involvement really come in onto this? Or is this something that you, you yourself have, have grabbed a hold of and led institutionally how did you come into this yeah in relation to the um the research the, the, the postgraduate research side yeah, yeah. decolonizing on the pgr side yeah we had a um we, we were involved in a uh um an ofs office for students funded thing um that closed out in in 2019 and that was um that was a partnership um a, a sort of a, a national sort of partnership really it was led by kingston and we were looking at value added and inclusive curriculum design at undergraduate level when we we then decided as an institution that more work needed to be done structurally in terms of structures cultures and practices beyond undergraduate really to kind of look to then to move an agenda forward in relation to to decolonizing as a as a as a process not to define what decolonized looks like but to but to talk about I guess some kind of um, 
the characteristics of what a process of decolonizing might look like within an institution and therefore we would have to break this down to look at the broader student experience we'd have to we would want to be engaging with staff we would want to be looking at issues to do with kind of library service provision that kind of thing um and inst institutional level stuff that was happening in relation to kind of policy and strategy and governance but also research so i was kind of leading on that pillar which was which was notionally research and evaluation of the project but also then um, I think there were a few of us who wanted to make the impetus around, well, how do we, how, how might we, if we're thinking about the, the REF, for instance, and its focus on environment, impact, output, but and within environment, thinking about PGR, thinking about training, doctoral supervision, whatever it might be, what might this process, moving beyond EDI towards um, processes of kind of decolonizing, what might that look like then? Um, which then enables us to do work in relation to, for instance, research ethics, that, that kind of space, or in relation to kind of theory, methodology, different methodologies or methodological approaches we might take. We could do work in that space. Um, that's got renewed again in the in this kind of the second incarnation of our decolonizing DMU project, because we have we've we've now got rather than these pillars, we've got four commitments. And one of right. those one of those is on um, equity in um, education and research. So we're very deliberately got some targets in in relation to that. I mean, that is a, that in itself we can talk about later if you want. Is a kind of an issue having a where you've got a very process, a process focused kind of developmental relational engagement like decolonizing, but you try and project manage it because all institutions want to put targets and deliverables in. We've got those. But, uh, but yeah, I think part of the research thing has, has, has emerged because individuals see it as being important, but also because whilst we're a university that is teaching intensive and research active, there is there is still a very strong commitment to research, you know. Yeah, because I just wondered to, to, just to unpick things because there's complexities within this. Yeah. Um, the In terms of the the curriculum side of things at undergraduate level if i'm probably being simplistic but it seems like a simple thing to get a hold of right somebody has a curriculum as a starting point we can look at what the content of that curriculum um is now what does curriculum mean at postgraduate research side because we don't uh, and watch your colleagues talk about the, the hidden curriculum so perhaps we have got a curriculum in a sense so what are the main issues uh at the postgraduate research side that may not necessarily be as obvious as when you have a starting point at an undergraduate yeah. level I think you're right. It is a really great um, point you make, but it feels easier to get a hold of at undergraduate level because there has been quite a lot of of, of, of very visible discussion and dialogue um, around the the reading list, around around which authors um, should make it onto those lists. A lot of a lot of heat and not a lot of light at times around that I think and who's being cancelled and and is this part of some kind of woke agenda and all yeah. of and all of that yeah some of the stuff that doesn't get thought about in the undergraduate curriculum also comes in through I think into the postgrad curriculum um, and that might be around around transitions and how we support transitions into and through um, study and what who is certainly within the context of that how in terms of PGR, what supervisory teams, how they're constructed and how that and how that plays out, what are the how do those how are those relationships being supported? How are we making decisions around admissions 
and are we making them based on um, particular worldviews that might marginalize particular theoretical or methodological um, demands in particular where there are subject alleged subject specific kind of disciplinary um, I guess kind of quality standards or accepted kind of modes of thinking and writing and processes of transitions admissions the balance between wanting to get well some of the language that was used was around high quality students in to do PGR work but actually it is, it is students who are who are themselves I guess aware that they're going to need to grow in that space and they have space to grow in that space and that and that good enough is good enough in that space and that a variety a variety of approaches methodological positionings developmental positionings theoretical positionings might be viable valid authentic with it for a particular kind of project so thinking about that kind of transition moment about research ethics in that space as well and we see you know we see a range of groups, Royal Society for Chemistry, for instance, and disciplinary organizations in relation to en engineering physics have all got statements related to EDI within their space. It, a lot of that is around the diversity of their kind of PGR um, admissions and the PGR um, student body, but also supervisors also in relation to kind of staffing. They tend to talk less around, I guess, a range of, um, theoretical or methodological kind of positions, although those tend to get opened up a little bit more in the social sciences, but there are some very live issues there and in, in relation to um, research ethics and, and for instance, in that space, the reviewing process for kind of research ethics and projects within, um, within particular kind of research areas. So there are, there are some issues there, I think, in relation to PGR. Yeah. Also some issues in relation to, to voice um, and voice, if we think about those learning outcomes for uh, the, you know, the, the framework for higher education qualifications level descriptors, you know, we are there are there are things we're trying to validate around an original contribution, around a systematic understanding of um, literature at the forefront of a particular disciplinary area. Yes, about a methodological richness that enables us to set to validate that this person can go out into the world without breaking it or without breaking other people. So we, we want, we kind of want that as well. So beginning to try to think about those in relation to doctoral training as well and process it of kind of putting a, a thesis together that, that, that enables voice to emerge. And one of the things that some of our students have been very clear about then is, is in relation to position and positionality. So one of the things that they that they are, that a number of them are, are feel his attention is that they want to present a positionality statement for themselves within the context of their research. Right. And is, is that okay? Or is an examiner going to fail me for that? Is uh, because, you know, because there are objective truths in terms of how the thesis is presented, right? And we have to do quite a lot of work on, on that. You know, I've examined 20 odd PhDs and I've never failed anyone for that. You know, people it's have failed people, but not for that. <laughs> well, it's interesting for you've mentioned a method a couple of times in research method and uh, just to reveal my background so this will be and also reveal my ignorance so I work on the science and engineering side originally that's what my PhD uh, yeah, was nice. so I'm, I'm intrigued in terms of you talk about decolonization of method uh, and the social science will have it so is there a, perhaps a, a specific example you could just give me to illustrate how a method well, is we, you know, the, the, might may need decolonization. Yeah, I suppose this. 
For me, some of this emerged from conversations with postgraduate research students, in particular in, um, in, in politics, who I guess we're, look, we're looking at um, kind of, we're, we're questioning or critiquing, and some of this also connects to um, work that's been done on indigenous and um, decolonial approaches to research methods. Some of the work of people like um, Linda Tuchwey-Smith, and Eve Tuck, um, who have, um, or even I, I, I guess, um, uh, who wrote Disordered Cosmos? Chandra, Chandra Pescod over in, the, over in the States, who writes about, she's kind of one of the first astrophysics PhDs over in the, over in the States. And Disordered Cosmos is brilliant because she writes about the intersection of her, her, her race, her queerness, um, her scientific method and scientific approach talks about kind of Western ontological and epistemological out, outlook. So how are we thinking about knowledge? How are we thinking about knowledge production? How are we conceptualizing that? How are we ordering that in order to understand the world and the, and the yes. universe effectively? And attempting to, to sort of think through, well, can we understand that in terms of its historical and material emergence from from with a kind of post an enlightenment post enlightenment kind of western world how how if we were to think about that in a more relativistic way what might how might that enable us to think about knowledge or ways of knowing the universe and i think people like carlo moretti actually when they're thinking about um relational quantum mechanics begin to think about this a, a, a little bit a little bit more right certainly in thinking about the way in which the the world is constructed not just objectively but there's a, a kind of a deep subjective cultural communal element to the ways in which we un we understand social phenomena and also potentially scientific phenomena within that within that space so our students were coming back to us and sort of talking about this you know there are these disciplinary norms that, that talk about i don't know social constructivism interpretivism post positivism whatever they want to do these th yeah. they want to do these things in a, in a kind of a, almost a very linear way but they but we see the kind of construction of our projects in a much more relational way that might be much more me metabolic rather than kind of fixed in their relationships and can we how do we discuss that within the context of our methodology of our, of our kind of methodological approaches in order to kind of almost disrupt standard views of kind of epistemology and ontology and this isn't coming then we don't not necessarily seeing our kind of focus on decolonizing there as a in relate specifically in relation to black and ethnically minoritized individuals but also in terms i guess of thinking about um equality which, which we might then apply to a whole range of identities mm -hmm. not an intersectional kind of identity markers you know within that space no, it's absolutely fascinating stuff. And of course, we've only got a, a relatively short space of time in, in this podcast. And it's certainly, I feel like this is an entire podcast um, series in terms of unpicking all the aspects you've said. In the show notes, um, if you have show notes, I can, <laughs> yes. ping, you, I can ping you two or three um, uh, links to things that I've read that have um, really been important to me. By, yes. Um, and, and I think they will really help your listeners. That would be great. We will have show notes. So people listening, have a look at the show notes. Um, I'm, I'm thinking now to just bring things together. Um, 
one would question would be um, a straightforward question if somebody else was starting out today and thinking right we do need to look at our postgraduate research we do need to look at decolonizing um, where would you suggest they start how did, did they get did you get a group together the, you know universities we do love our committees you know where would you where would you start with this what what would be your sort of guidance we um, we have quite a lot of people who um, are are very negative about about this as well and and um push have pushed back quite strongly and clearly people are on a continuum in their engagement with this and we want to encourage those conversations i i have we have tended to go i have tended to go in the first instance where the energy is where and where the positive energy is because at times we know that our institutions can can be quite difficult places for some of us to kind of exist in your know, workload pressures issues in relation to kind of well-being some of the relationship stuff okay. we've just seen a, a, a vote for you know kind of action from ucu so it's, i think it's quite it is important to, to be generative in our in our engagements and relationships so we we've set we set up um a, a, a network a network effectively in relation to research centers and institutes that I knew were friendly. I know there are some that are less friendly, but I knew that there were some that were definitely yeah. friendly. So we have a, for instance, Center for Reproduction Research, Center for um, Computing and Social Responsibility, Center for um, Criminology, Community Education, Social Justice, um, Urban Research on, on Austerity. We knew that there was work that was happening there that was A, trying to, um, it was engaged in EDI or decolonizing work in relation to the process of building a research culture or they were actually doing the, the content of their work was in relation to this so in in ccsr in our computing and social responsibility area they were doing quite a lot of work on um on artificial intelligence in the global south and ways in which we might reconceptualize that so there's a there was the content happening there that was impactful but there was also they were also doing some quite significant work with their phd students and their phd culture in terms of making that much more kind of horizontal and, and beginning to work against privilege in that space yes. and think about voice. So we went to some friendlies and that was that was important. In order to define what we might do from there, we we, we built a self-audit tool for, for research institutes, which is not about monitoring from the center. I'm not interested in the outcomes of that. I'm interested in discussing the outcomes, but that focuses on environment, impact, public engagement, outputs, doctoral, stuff you know so it's got a checklist for people so i would suggest that that get get groups together either in schools or faculties or whatever who can at least out and discuss baseline where we are where you are and then where yeah. you might want to where you might want to go knowing that this is that that we that we deliberate where we might want to go what we might what what we might want to focus on we move we deliberate again we move we deliberate again we do, we do want to kind of build that, that moment of kind of dialogue. And I think if you can get sort of PGR students in there to lead with some of that. I've got some PGR students who have um, co-produced, um, all I've done is facilitated, but they've, they've co-produced some principles for PGR supervision in relation to kind of um, decolonizing or working with black and ethnically minoritized students. And we have a, a lot of students who, I, who, I, who, will, who will identify like that. So. They have co-produced that, and we will then we will then share that through our, our networks and try and build a dialogue around it. And I think, but I would definitely say go where the the more positive, generative energy is. Excellent. And I just wondered, uh, 
just to, again pull things into summary was there one or two things that you you you, you must have achieved things is there some change that you've achieved that you you would say that, you know this is a good example that we looked at this area and now this is happening or there has been a change is there any uh, sort of change examples you can think of that might be good for us to hear Our, it's a um, difficult thing to get changed very yeah, i think in the in the, in the the talk at the conference, I was the, the the stuff that I pulled out was in relation to admissions in our faculty of business and law, where that had been a that had been a need that their faculty head of research students had identified, and we pulled together some some um, it was workshops with with supervisors and and PGR students who were then defining some kind of principles in relation to that that staff and supervisory teams could work with certainly during that kind of um, admissions process for students the work that we did with research institutes and centers that, that generated the self-audit tool that's being used um, autonomously by centers and institutes as well i think is a is an was a nice framing um, in that space also the ability for to to the work around the principles for supervisory teams in working with um, black and ethnically minoritized students has also begun to catalyze some thoughts around um, networks, I guess, of, of those students who can, who can then evaluate their own position and bring that forward to our doctoral college. And, the doctor, and our work on training is another area that I guess that now, that now um, if these issues are embedded within doctoral training um, at, an, at an institutional level. Doesn't mean that they're everywhere, doesn't mean that they dominate, but they're, they're in there for for teams and individuals to, to consider. And the next the next stage for us being led a little bit because I'm the faculty head of research students in my faculty, oh, sorry, faculty head of research ethics in my faculty is on research ethics and what we are, what we're doing there through the kind of review process to, to support the variety of um, projects. Given that there are, you know, I don't know, there are limitations in relation to protecting characteristics and the impact of the 2010 Equality Act data protection impact assessments all this kind of stuff feels a bit oppressive we're trying to think of ways of of, set, of how do we work with with those and through those in order to enable those students to kind of have their voice so that's the kind of next stage for us yeah no that's excellent thank you and it's uh I, I, to bring this to a close is a bit of a shame because it's, there's so many things that have been fascinating to, to listen to and there's so many aspects of this i think it's, it's it's really helpful certainly for me and hopefully for those listening just to get some of the bullet points and to raise so many issues that we can look at within this so uh if say th thank you for for joining us and thank you for what you said this this, this afternoon no you're really welcome thanks ever so much for the invite it's a privilege to get to talk to you Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Email us at academicdev at leads.ac.uk. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.